It's a Ben Fred Friday on Scoops with DannyMac.com. We visit with Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And as always, we're brought to you by our good buddy, Mark Milton. If you have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night, facing tax liens, bank levies, wage garnishments, get a hold of Mark. IRS problems, visit stltaxlawyer.com today. And remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision, should not be based solely on advertisements. Also brought to you by Rottler Pest Control, most, uh, most trusted family-owned pest control company in our region. These folks are good people. They do great work. Rottler.com, 877-ROTTLER. You have bird control, wildlife solutions, uh, termite solutions, pest solutions, mole, lawn, rodent solutions. Think Rottler Pest Control. Hey, Ben, good morning. Always good to visit with you. How you doing? Doing well, Dan. Happy Friday. Happy homecoming to our Mizzou listeners out there. And uh, should be a, an eventful weekend here. What do you think about homecoming? You know, they're, they're, I think at last check, Mizzou was at least a two-touchdown favorite. Not that I would ever, ever think about putting my hard-earned money on a particular event. I wouldn't do that, Ben. You know that. I just like to check out well, the lines. I certainly just... wouldn't put it on this this Missouri football team because they're they're unpredictable. Well, maybe that's what I was thinking. Play close, they tend to play close games, um, whether they win them or lose them. So to see 14 points, is it tells you what people think about Vanderbilt. Um, and, and here's the deal, Dan. We were wrestling with how to phrase this game. I was talking with Dave Matter and Brendan Weese. We were doing our Mizzou football show for Friday on KTRS, and we said, okay, it's a must-win game. And I said, well, maybe it's a can't-lose game. Maybe that's a better way to – to, to phrase it because you really get nothing out of beating Vanderbilt, but you sure could lose a lot if you lose to them at home on homecoming. So Vanderbilt's moving in the right direction under Clark Lee. He's got some better things going. They've come off of a tough stretch here playing some, some ranked teams in the SEC, but they're, they're nowhere near where Missouri should be. This should be the kind of win that Missouri can say, okay, we're going to start to move things in a more positive direction in the second half, the Tigers are coming off of a bye week, so they've had a chance to kind of reset, rest, and uh, kind of attack their weaknesses. So this should be a happy homecoming for Mizzou. And if it's not, Dan, then uh, it's hard to it's going to be hard to have much of a second half that 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 gives anybody much of an encouraging encouraging vibe. Well, if they don't win, the heat is turned up on Eli Drinkwitz. There, there's no question about it. I, I he's got to feel pressure going into a game like this. It's homecoming. You're a two touchdown at least favorite. You got to win this game. It's that simple. Yeah, it's, you got to take care of business, and and you got to prove you're you're not uh, you're not where Vanderbilt is. Um, there's there's not a lot Missouri can feel good about in this moment in this season. They do have some games in their second half where they should be able to get some wins. But if you can't take care of Vanderbilt at home after a bye week, then how can anybody be convinced you're going to figure it out? later on this season and you got to start to then wonder about the direction of the program. So yeah, no pressure, but it is a, uh, it's a game they need to, it's a game they need to go out and take care of business. And really it's a game that's about Mizzou, Dan, they've got to clean up some of their, their self-inflicted wounds. They've been hurting themselves too much in costly penalties. They have a very good defense, a defense that's really, you know, becoming the cornerstone of this team. They've got to get more consistent play out of Brady cook I would like to see Sam Horn, the freshman, get a chance to play a little bit. I don't think Brady Cook needs to be replaced as the starter, but it would be nice to see Eli show you know, that the freshman is going to be a guy that can build around moving forward. Um, and you've got to get just uh, a, a more solid play, fewer mistakes, fewer self-caused 
problems for this team, and they should win. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think they should, too. Uh, I am curious about the QB situation, which you just addressed, and you know what they do with Cook. Also, just trying different ways to get Luther Burden engaged, to get him the ball. How can they find ways to get him the football? I, I think that's something that you have to watch now here in the second half of the season. Yeah, with with Brady, I think it's a. I think he is still day in and day out proving to be the best option, the, the guy who gives the team the best chance to win. And and you don't replace the starter unless someone else is forcing your hand. You can, however, create some opportunities for a talented freshman who's doing some good things in practice to start to get his feet wet. I I do think Eli should be open to considering that with Sam Horn. Um, the the fact of the matter is they just haven't gotten a steady enough. Per- and steady enough production week in and week out from the quarterback spot to not at least consider, you know, playing a couple of guys, especially if one is going to need to be your starter in the future. Cook hasn't been terrible, and he's tougher than tougher than nails, but uh, he's not playing so well that you can't at least consider it. So I, I think that you know it's easy if you're a coach to say, well, if we lose a couple more games and all of a sudden the bowl game is out of the the reach, then you can start to worry about the future, but you can't do that until then. I mean, Gary Pinkle played multiple quarterbacks a lot, and he did so without a quarterback controversy. It was he was playing, you know, the, playing the starter and getting the next guy ready with a series or two, um, and it didn't it didn't turn anybody into uh, a quarterback controversy. It just was part of the plan, and I think that kind of approach could be wise here, especially coming out of a bye week where you've had a chance to really evaluate your backup option. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if any of the other guys play and we'll see if Luther Burden plays Dan. He's dealing with this ankle injury. It's a high ankle sprain. And if you've had him, I know you played hoops growing up, like you've probably rolled that ankle and had a high ankle sprain before. It's, it's a pain. I mean, it, it really affects how you plant, how you sprint, how you change directions. A lot of the things Luther Burden does to get separation, they're targeting him quite a bit, especially for a freshman. He's dropped some passes um, he hasn't made the most out of some opportunities, but getting more production out of him, first he's got to be healthy. As of right now, we're not sure that he's going to play in this game. It sounds like it's going to be kind of a game-time call, but for him to be at his best, he's got to have two good wheels, and right now he's only got one and a question mark on the other. Yeah, on the other side, you got Illinois, and Brett Bielma has taken them into the top 25. Boy, he's done a heck of a job, hasn't he? Man, he has, and there's not a fluke about this Illinois team. They are looking like what Brett Bielema did at Wisconsin, where he's got big, strong guys up front. They're moving people around, and they're running the ball through big holes, and they're playing really good defense. Ryan Walters, who was let go, kind of nudged out by Mizzou, one of the one of the first one of the first of many defensive coordinators Eli Drinkwitz has had. He was well-respected at Mizzou, and he was kind of viewed as it's just a matter of time until this guy's going to be a head coach. We will see if he gets that call from Colorado after this season, his alma mater. He might get better options. Um, this Illinois defense has been really strong. Right now they are in the driver's seat of that division, and and you got to tip your cap because there's nothing there's nothing fluky about it, and there's, there's reason to believe better days are ahead for, for Illinois. I like the way they're playing. They're developing – an identity and it's big rough and tumble football and it's the kind of thing that Brett Bielema was doing and has done everywhere he's been when Illinois hired him I said this is a really good hire and he doesn't get enough credit for what he did at Arkansas which is a really tough place to win we're seeing right now how Sam Pittman has gone from being the hottest coach in the SEC to being 
being, you know, going through it. And it's a very tough division in the SEC West to play in. And Bielema was a good hire, and he's proven it. And there's reason to believe it's going to keep happening there. So credit to them. Absolutely. I am curious, uh, when you look at what's happening uh, with the baseball schedule and how it's played out, I guess if you're a Cardinal fan, you're frustrated with it. But this is the best we got. And I've said I like it, because, and I got a lot of people on Twitter like, oh, no, it's not good. It's not, it's not going to be perfect until you get – uh, to me, expansion. You, you get to 32 teams, some realignment, and it's a balanced schedule, truly a balanced schedule. Um, but, you know, a lot of people don't like it. I like it because there's more baseball to be watched and there's more drama with postseason baseball. So I'm curious what you think of how this schedule has played out. I think it's a pretty enticing Final Four. Um, you'd have to be you have to be crazy not to like the mix of teams. you got two American League heavyweights, and, and then you've got two teams in the National League, which really, I think, represent what the National League was this season. It was a very tough side of the bracket. Um, I mean, yeah, the Dodgers and the Braves are out, but you're crazy, and, and anyone is nuts if they're if they're trying to kind of label the, the Padres or the Phillies as like the Cinderella success story. No, these are heavyweight teams that conducted themselves as such, and and you know, took advantage of, of of the playoff and the opportunity it presents to go out there and say, "Hey, we can we can push these these other teams, these these World Series favorites aside." And to me, that says more about the strength of the NL than it does about the weakness of the Dodgers, or the Braves, or the the randomness of the postseason. I mean, these teams are exactly where they were built to be. It doesn't always work out, but they made investments, they made trade deadline moves that suggested this is what they were playing for. So. I, the final four is compelling. You got a team everybody loves to hate in the Astros. You've got, you know, the the star of the season here. It was Albert Pujols, understandably so. Nationally, it was Aaron Judge. He's in it. Um, you know, stars and and Harper and Machado, um, Soto. You've got you've got some really great storylines with the pitching. You've got some old school starting performances leading the way for the Phillies. The guys who aren't getting yanked after five innings, which I love to see. So it's compelling. Um, look, I, I don't love the shortened series, but I do love a, a best of three more than a one-game coin flip. Exactly. The Cardinals didn't get the benefit of it, but I think it is more representative. Can it be improved? Yeah, maybe reseed it. I, I would probably lean toward that. Um, but but I don't, I'll don't. i be honest, I don't, I don't hate the format. I, I'm certainly watching it and enjoying it. I, I am too. I Also, it's added postseason. And if you love the game of baseball and you want to watch drama, you know, I was the edge of my seat watching Seattle and Houston in that long, long game. I loved it. It was great. For Seattle, it was do or die. Houston, if they get that one big bop, they're going to the ALCS and they do it. So I, I love that. I thought it was great to see Cleveland take the Yankees to five games. I think so far with what we've seen in the League Championship Series, there's compelling uh, storylines with that. So I'm all about it. If you can give me more baseball, the better. And so do I want to see it end November 3rd? Probably not, but this is the way it is, and I'm okay with it. So the more baseball to me, that's my general consensus. I understand there's flaws, but give me more baseball, and I'll take it. You know, I've heard the one complaint I've heard, and I get this, is people saying, well, it's not fair that you win a division and all you get is to host a wild card series, and the Cardinals can 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 make Cardinals fans can make that complaint and and it it's tough you know that the the gap between being the you know the the second best team and the third best team goes from a first round bye to you're playing a best of three wild card series and the only the only plus is you get to host it well 
there's a couple things to consider before saying that's the worst thing in the world. One, teams like that because they are guaranteed three home games, and that means a lot of postseason revenue for them. So if you're wondering why the owners view it maybe a little differently than the fans, that's one reason. And then two, one of the things we're kind of – it's maybe too early to say, Dan, but these teams that sit around and wait for the first-round buy, they, they haven't exactly roared to life. Um, it's taken them a while to That's been my going, issue. or they haven't at all. So maybe there's a conversation of, well, is it a little bit of a it's a little bit of a blessing slash curse to have to get that first round by, especially if you kind of end the season on a you know, you get into the rhythm of a season. It's it's a little difficult to stop it and then start it up again. I wonder if you're the Dodgers, if you're the Braves, you know, you you study everything, you analyze every player metric and statistic in your scout, you have to use some of those resources to dive into what could they have done a little differently to start a little bit better after that first round bye? Could they have played an inner squad game? Could they have staggered out workouts? What could they have done to maybe avoid maybe a little bit of that rust that I think slowed them down some? Well, if you follow the 06 World Series, it's a great example. And I, I had a podcast earlier this week with Martin Kilcoin, and I brought up exactly what you're talking about. I'm not sure it's the best thing to have that time off. Now, I do know it's the best thing to be able to line up my one and my two, and that team that comes out of that series like Philly against St. Louis, they're without Nola and Wheeler, at least initially. I get that, and and that is – that's the, the punishment, if you will, for lack of a better term, for not being a division winner. However, there's some. it's kind of like what we've had with the wild card in the last few years. Those teams have been playing meaningful playoff baseball games in the regular season for some for the final month. Cardinals, a great example, two years ago. Had to go on a 17-game winning streak to get in. And if they get by the Dodgers in that first game, I think they go to the World Series. They might even win the whole thing. There's momentum in the game. It's next day starter, yes, but there is momentum and a sharpness to the entire uh, the the entirety of your team that has a chance to play meaningful games night in and night out day after day, and when you when you give a baseball player a day off, I mean Tommy Edmond comes back like he's been shot out of a cannon. It's it's a remarkable feeling that these guys get. The All Star break feels like you've been off for a month because you've been doing it every single day. So I do think there's something to it, and that's why if you get a balanced schedule. Maybe that's the better way to do it, or add another wild card team. Let them duke it out. You know, make eight teams if you had whatever. You know what I'm saying? You got eight and eight. I think maybe that's something that you have to look at eventually as you go through this. I mean, we're a ways away from doing it, and again, it's nothing's perfect. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. There is a, uh, a reason that teams get hot, and it's because they have to play meaningful baseball, and those are the teams you don't want to face in postseason play. Yeah, I mean they're the Phillies, right? I mean the, no doubt. the Phillies have kind of become and which talk about talk about great jobs managing. I mean, here's a guy in Rob Thompson who didn't get a chance to kind of sit back, breathe, line up his guys, and still he's managed the pitching in a way where he's got his horses ready at every turn. And you don't have a situation like Cleveland where you get to the biggest game and you're starting a guy who's got terrible numbers against the Yankees because you're you're a little tentative about bringing back your 200 inning starter on short rest because of a previous injury. I mean, look, Tito's one of the best to ever do it, but that was a that was a bad spot that he found himself in. And it sure seems like the Phillies, knowing they've got two ultimate horses that they want on the mound, have done a great job of making sure those guys are ready to be ready for for the first games of every series. And it's been it's been huge for them. So 
I think Thompson's put on a clinic so far in this postseason. I agree, and I, I think we're also seeing that it's okay to leave a starter in. It, it's amen. You know, it's it's okay. Amen. You know, if a guy's looking like he's dealing, <laughs> it's okay to let him let him go. And it's okay to have all of the numbers and to believe him. I mean, truly trust him, but also say, you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually, what I see tonight, it's not telling me that. And it's okay to respect those numbers and to say, I believe them and say, hey, maybe I'm going to take a little risk here. And it, it's not the same as saying, well, I'm just going to go with my gut. I'm going to ignore what I'm seeing. No, no, no. No one should do that. Managers who ignore what they're seeing now, they're going to get phased out of the game. But there's a difference to me in ignoring what you're seeing and acknowledging acknowledging what you're seeing. Like, yeah. Pretending something is pretending something bad isn't happening is not the same thing as this looks better than what my numbers are telling me. And there's a reason the game's not just run ran by the computers. Some maybe would want that, but I'm telling you, it's humans. And Tony Larusa said it best: that men, not machines. And I think having having a feel having uh, an ability to trust what is happening in real time, how those at-bats are going down. Um, yeah, hard contact is one thing, but just the, the discomfort or the, the swing and miss, the way the hitters look off, you got to think twice before before giving them a look. If you're making a change early and the pitch count is solid and the guy's holding up, the velocity's good, you're actually giving the opposing dugout – a. They, they see that as a win. I mean, you, you can't tell me that the other team is not – takes as a sigh of relief when when Zach Wheeler walks off the mound. No doubt. This is brought to you by Stratum Structural Systems, waterproofing, foundation repair. If you have basement waterproofing issues, foundation repair, egress windows, make sure you get to the folks at Stratum Structural Systems and that's stratumrepair.com, stratumrepair.com. I'm from St. Louis, always support local. That means I'll support the great folks at Schnooks. And make sure you take in the Schnooks Rewards app. Reward yourself daily with the Schnooks Rewards app. Schnooks Rewards, you earn 2% back on every single purchase, and that's done at Schnooks. I'm going to stick with uh, baseball here for a moment. A few other things I want to hit on, but uh, I know you're very close to Frank Favorito and Mark Schreiber and the guys over and gals over at uh, the St. Louis Sports Commission, the Mutual Awards. That'll be coming up. Always a huge night in sports here in St. Louis. And Albert Pujols uh, announced this past week that he gets a Lifetime Achievement Award, and if you're ever going to honor Albert, this would seem to be the right time to do it. Pretty good year to, uh, yeah. to pick Albert. Um, just a coincidence, by the way. No, I, I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, this is a great uh, decision. I'm glad that Albert's going to hopefully be there to accept it in, in person and kind of a culmination of a very special year. And Albert, this season, Dan, um, really solidified and, and captured once again what makes him beyond a great player. Um, the way that he lifted up the young players on this team, the way he kind of threw his arm around, yeah, the guys he knew from the past, the Adam Wainwrights and the Yadier Molinas, but also the young guys, these these guys who had never seen him play, just knew him as a, a mythical figure. Um, I think Juan Yepes, the the um, story that captured it best, uh, Ali Marmol, look, calls this guy into the office. He's trying to battle out a spot for spring training. Um, you remember how that week went down. They signed Albert it's clear that Yepes is not going to break camp with the team. Then Juan Yepes gets hit in the face with a ball in a spring training game, and he gets sent, sent down. And it's like, man, talk about talk about a brutal stretch there. 
But what happened? Um, you know, they, they told him he wasn't going to make the team, but they told him he could have the, the benefit of hanging around Albert. They told him he's, he should ask him everything that comes into his mind about hitting, about baseball. And Albert said, yeah, let's go. I'll, I'll give you everything you want to know. Just ask. And they've struck up this, this friendship. And what do you know? End of the season comes around. They're playing together. Juan Yepes hits a huge home run in the postseason. And who's the first up off the bench to, to congratulate him? It's Albert Pujols. So what he showed in terms of you know leading this team, in terms of helping out young guys, singing their praises, I think it speaks to why he's winning this award. And it's a great fit, and it should be a, an absolutely awesome night. And the cool thing is it'll be nationally broadcast, so the whole nation should hopefully get a chance to see it around the holidays. And you've been to that event, and I know that you've spoken yep. from personal experience. It's uh, it's a special night, isn't it? It is. I mean, it, it reminds – I think sometimes, we, unfortunately, we get caught up a lot in the, uh, the negative things about sports, um, and there are too many, unfortunately, but there are still so many good things from the youth levels to – you know, the the most proven professional, highest paid athletes, there's still these examples that remind us of the humanity and, you know, the sportsmanship in sports, all the things that Dan Musial has came to, you know, embody for this award and for the sports commission. And it's really cool to see what this award show has become. It went from a regional thing to a national audience uh, on a national broadcast. So they put in a lot of work, Frank and Mark and they they work all year long to spot these stories and they'll they'll give out an award to a story that 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 you never heard of which is amazing and then they'll give out an award for a story you go oh yeah i remember that and but then you meet the people behind it and it's not just a tweet it's a the whole story of how it came to be and mike bush helps him with it he does a great job putting it on and telling those stories and if you've never been to the musical awards i would encourage anyone to get a chance to go um, go one time and, and tell me that it doesn't put you in the right mood for the holidays and kind of get your head on straight and you'll feel a lot better about sports in general if you, if you have time to, to go and if you can't go you can watch it for free on tv and it's a pretty special production as well so we go from that to stan Kroenke. um it's a perfect segue <laughs> like you said the other side <laughs> that's right the other side of this which is and i'll wrap it up uh, our conversation here with this but uh, the owners vote to have him pay $571 million of what was it, 750 or whatever million, but 571 he's going to have to write a big check for. Uh, you know that's got to eat at him. $571 million. So you add up the cost of the stadium that was so over budget, uh, relocation fee, 571 here. I mean, this has become, and I get it. I, I can only imagine what he's done with the franchise and the value and building that palace and all that stuff, and maybe the money will eventually get all back and he's back even and then makes a bunch of money. But I, I can't imagine uh, what this has cost him in the long run, at least in the short term, of, of moving the franchise. Well, the, there's good and bad news here. Um, and, and the good news is that it will absolutely bother him. And I think what a lot of people wanted out of this relocation lawsuit was just for Stan Kroenke to have to to feel some of what he put St. Louis through. And I think most people, Dan, would say, well, look, here, I'm going to have to pay this close to $600 million, but I got what I wanted. I moved my team. I got my stadium. I'm getting Super Bowls. The valuation of the team has increased, and he's 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 won a Super Bowl, and he should be happy to cut this check, but that's not how this guy operates. Um, he wanted all of his NFL owners to – pick up the tab here. He wanted to split this thing across all of the other owners. And I'm sure that he's mad 
that he didn't get his way there. And I would I would guess, I don't know the inner workings of this, how it went down, but I would guess Roger Goodell said, look, man, this stops now, and you're not going to fight this out tooth and nail. You're going to cut the check. You've got to move the team, and you, you know they'll pick up some of the tab, but you're going to pay most of this back, and we'll throw in a couple extra Super Bowls, and it'll all come out in the wash. But you know he hates losing money that he doesn't have to lose, and he didn't think he was going to have to lose this money. So – He's mad, I'm sure, and I think the rest of the owners are, are understandably pissed because they saw the indemnification agreement that Stan Kroenke signed, and it was very clear in there the intent of that, and although it was probably written poorly legally, unfortunately for them, it was clear that if you got yourself in a legal you know, hot pot because you, because you screwed this up and you, got, you know, had to start paying because you broke the relocation rules, it was supposed to be on the team that moved and, his own, and that owner. It was supposed to be on him. And that's how most of the owners felt, and they're still winding up having to pick up, you know, two hundred plus million of this uh, of this cost. Now, for folks who are going, wait a second, I thought this money was already paid. Who's he cutting this check to? The way it worked, it doesn't even really affect St. Louis at all. That money has been, it, it was handed over from the league last Christmas, so it's it's been in the bank. Um, and we've had many discussions as a region about who should get what and how to spend it. Those talks are ongoing. Fortunately, they invested it in the higher interest uh, model now that will generate more money off of the off of the cash. This was about how the league split up who paid what on the back end. So they paid St. Louis to get out of the conversation. Then it, they could circle amongst themselves and figure out, okay, how do we split this tab? And Kroenke wanted it spread evenly, and now he's going to get stuck with the bulk of it. So. I think that can be celebrated here. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody they shouldn't. Um, in the in the grand scheme of things, he's probably okay with how it all worked out. Most people would, but you know, he's going to probably try to find ways to get back at these other owners. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of them try to find ways to get back at him. And maybe that's the ultimate win: is that you now got an owner who's ticked, who's powerful. And you've got a bunch of other owners who are not happy with the way this played out. So it could be the first of other chapters that come with the league and Kroenke kind of being at odds. I have to wonder, in retrospect, would he still want to do this? And if the owners knew it, this kind of cost, it was going to cost them too, if this ever, ever would have happened. What do you think? Man, that's a good question. Um, there's a real – I'm fascinated. I, I guess I don't want to punt on your – on, on answering. I do think he would do it again because I think he was dead set on trying to get out of here. It's a great question, Dan, would they allow him? Because I think there's some real precedent set by what St. Louis accomplished in this lawsuit and what it clawed back in, in a settlement. One of the biggest settlements the league has ever given a green light to that I think will change the discussion around relocation around who's allowed to and how and why. Yeah. Um, I think there are owners around the league who have realized they were drug into this fight. They had to have personal information access. They had to hand over a lot of their finances to people they've never met before, something they hate to do. And I think they will be more cautious, more resistant to start relocating teams willy-nilly, especially ones that you know don't really have a compelling case about being you know pushed away by their cities. I do think it could change things, and I think it could make the body of owners you know, have a higher bar for an owner who just wants to go rogue and move. They didn't, unfortunately, for for Stan Kroenke, and he was working with Goodell and Jerry Jones behind the scenes, and we all know that it all came out. But I do think if this comes around again, and it will, I mean, it will, 
um, that there could be more resistance as a league because of some of the, the some of the headache that St. Louis caused, and rightfully so. Yeah, I think it's more about owners may have lost some leverage maybe with cities. So when you always had that carrot to dangle, oh, we could go here, we're going to do this. If you're an owner, you got to think twice about it. After looking at the, the 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 stuff that you just mentioned and what you have to go through, it's a pain in the rear. So it's almost too much. Is it more? Is it too much more worth you know staying at your place or trying to go for the pot of gold? You know, and how much is that process going to hurt you? So in the end, has your leverage been pulled because of what happened in St. Louis? Well, any other region that gets threatened with relocation, um, they should call me up. And I, I'm not the only <laughs> one who has them, but I'd be happy to send them. And I can send them the transcripts of NFL league lawyers arguing in open court that the relocation guidelines don't mean anything and that they're nothing more than guidelines the league can consider. And, of course, that's not what they are. And if they were truly that, then the league would have never settled this lawsuit and it's why the lawyers involved in this on the St. Louis side did such a good job of making this a state breach of contract issue because they were absolutely right and everybody knew it. But, you know, if you've got the league lawyers who are on the league company payroll arguing that these relocation guidelines mean nothing, then any time that, you know, the league goes out and tries to tell another city about its relocation guidelines and the hoops that they have to jump through, then that region should absolutely say, wait a second, you guys have said on the record that you don't think these things mean anything. That's so right. how can you now tell us they're going to help or hurt our chances of keeping the team? And the league has never answered that, but at some point they might have to. Hey, my man, good stuff as always. We'll catch you up next Friday. What are you working on this weekend at the Post-Dispatch? Well, I've got a, a little bit of a curveball coming um, in uh, later this week, so folks can check that out at stlc.com. I don't want to give too much away. A viral moment in the NFL, not anything Kroenke related, but how about the other side of it? I got that, and we'll have some plenty of Cardinals coverage. I want to take a stab at maybe some free agents that I think could be of interest for the Cardinals, so we'll dive into that at stltoday.com here this weekend. Always good stuff. That's Ben Fredrickson. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and this is Scoops with DannyMac.com.